Hello, and welcome to the Alcohol Podcast, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane, and stops, and has a flat tire, and has to go to the bathroom, hangs out for a while, and then moves on back to the present. I'm EJ. I'm Beth. And tonight, Beth, it's your turn to go first. It is my turn to go first. And my topic snowballed on me. Snowballed? Is that a pun? No. Okay. But I decided to narrow down what I decided to research after I started researching. Oh, I understand that. And I decided to look into the history of tattooing. Cool. Only for the reason that we both have some ink on us. You more so than me. Just a little. But I decided to do a history of tattooing for the planet Earth. The entire planet. The entire planet. Sweetness. Let's hear about that kerosene and ash, baby. It's believed that tattooing has been on the earth since the Neolithic times. There's evidence on mummified, preserved skin of tattooing. Right, like like the guy they found in the bog in England, and I think... Yes, I actually have his name. I forget it. What is it? Otzi. Otzi. Um, he's the oldest discovered tattooed human with skin to date that was found in, um, it was found between actually, okay, let me start that over. The oldest discovered tattooed human skin to date was found on Ozzy the Iceman dating between 3,370 to 3,100 BC. They couldn't put a precise date on it, but he's pretty darn old. That's super cool though. Um, tattooed mummies have actually been found in as many as 49 archaeological sites. Some of the locations being in Greenland, Alaska, Siberia, Mongolia, western China, Egypt, Sudan, and the Philippines, and even the Andes. I surely hope that I end up as a tattooed mummy. That would be awesome. <clears throat> awesome story to dig up later on. Exactly. Tattooing throughout the world... Um, actually has history in almost every nation, continent, whatever. I'm going to go down a list. What about, what? tell me about Antarctic tattoos first. Um, I didn't have anything for Antarctic. I'm sorry. I failed you on that one. But I we're going to start. stump you. We're going to start in Egypt. Um, in past history, the vast amount of tattoos were found on women, actually. And they were a status identification thing. They were also used, though, for religion, healing, and punishment. Well. Which, the punishment thing is not strictly an Egypt thing. No, no. uh, The Romans definitely did that with, like, fugitivas or something like that, I know. Yeah, there was a lot of different cultures that actually would mark their prisoners with their crimes. Well, would you rather lose a hand? Well, there's no getting over it. Most no. of them like to do it on their face. Yeah. Yeah, it's a billboard. <laughs> like, there was that, that one guy that was selling advertising space on his head. And, yeah, he just, whoever paid him the most, he tattooed their emblem or their logo on his face. Walked around with it for how long? Yeah. Not sure I'd want to do that. I'm a little bit more picky about the ink I put on my skin. Agreed. Um, We're going to move on to China now. In ancient China, the art of tattooing was considered a barbaric practice, actually. 
They were often referred to in literature depicting bandits and folk hero. But it was very common for tattoo characters on prisoners such as convicted felons' faces. What's the difference between a Chinese felony and, like, a American felony, I wonder? That's just, that'd be... From what I was reading, thief was on there a lot. Well, I'm sure, you know, if you get caught stealing in a lot of ancient cultures... It was bad. You Don't be a horse thief. Oh, stop with your horse thief stuff. It's a video game. But we're going to move on to Japan, which the practice of tattooing for decorative and spiritual reasons has been around as long as the Paleoithic period. Long time. But between 1603 and 1868, tattooing was only practiced by the floating world culture. Floating world? culture i'm not familiar with that firemen um manual workers or prostitutes oh i'm a manual worker and listeners i'm sorry about my voice i'm recovering from a little bit of voice loss here and if i sound a little rough bear with me i apologize i was also interested to find out in japan that that tattooing was also common practice for the samurai after they were forced to disband when they had to burn all their armor and things, they would get tattoos to depict that they were samurai. That is super cool. It moved into a more of a... Hazuku? I don't know. Um, it They're a gang now in Japan that took over... Uh, okay. The, the samurai like, position. Like the Yakuza? The Yakuza, that's it. Okay. Thank you. I had no idea what Suzuku was. I was like, I'm learning something right <laughs> no, now. No, the Yakuza. I'm sorry. Yakuza. 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 I didn't write with, it down because I didn't y. think I'd be able to say it. Yakuza. Yeah. But they I, actually started out as samurai, and when the samurai were disbanded, they kind of started to fill that niche, and it has continued on. I did not know that. That's super interesting. We're going to move on to the Philippines now. Um, tattooing in the Philippines was used as a form of ranking and display of accomplishments. I happen to have something in mind about Philippines as well. What are the odds of that? The Samoa. Um, tattoos had a huge spot in Samoan lives, and it carries on even today. That's, yeah. Well, look at... Yeah, like... Never mind. I'll just let you continue. Male tattoos and female tattoos are referred to as different things. And I'm going to try to pronounce them, but I'm probably going to get it wrong. Male tattoos are referred to as Pia, and female tattoos are Malu. That doesn't sound like you mangled them too much to me. Well. Not that I speak Samoan. I said them nicely, but I don't know that I said them right. (laughs) The tradition of applying tattoos by hand has been unbroken for over 2,000 years in the Samoan continent and culture. Um, Tools and techniques have actually changed very little over the years. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're the ones that use the sticks. Yes. And they use like a kerosene and ash-based ink. Um, The sticks are more often than not actually boar's tusks. Well, the needles are. But the rods between the sticks. Mm-hmm. And there was actually, I found in my research that, and I don't remember which sailing company it was, 
but they witnessed them from a distance and they thought that they looked very well presented until they got up there and realized that what they thought was clothing it was skin was actually full body tattoos right on new zealand the maori people practice Ma- maori maori see i need your help on this i'm here to help practice their own form of tattooing known as tamoko um, which was created using a chisel. They also do a really sweet dance called a haka. It's pretty cool. It's like to intimidate their enemies. Covered in tattoos, doing this wild dance. It's pretty awesome. Um, like an example of that would be, you remember the the film version of Ender's Game? Mm-hmm. Mazer Rackham is Maori. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. And like for your Samoan, I think The Rock, Dwayne Johnson is Samoan and his big chest piece, shoulder piece. And also uh, uh, the guy that played Crixus on Spartacus, he's Maori. Really? And, and I think there's a YouTube video of that haka dance too. Like he teaches it to the whole cast. Pretty wild. That's awesome. With the tongue sticking out. A Queequay on... Yes. Yes. On the Moby Dick movie with Patrick Stewart. Also, facial tattoos are actually a a pretty common thing in the past for most of these different cultures, which facial tattoos now are still. They're very taboo. Yeah. But in some of these cultures, facial tattoos are still a prominent part of their culture. Oh, yeah. We're going to move on to Siberia next. Hmm. Um, tattooed mummies dating back to 500 BC have been found in burial mounds and their early tattoo designs focused on animal designs. Cool. I, I've never seen, I don't think a Siberian mummy, a photograph or anything. I'll have to look at that. I would assume that the mummies would hold up pretty good in Siberia. Are, are they like, I'd suppose, cause look at the mammoths and stuff they pull out of there. I mean, there's no bacteria to get them. Yeah. And um, most of the locations that I listed in the beginning of where they found the 49 different archaeological sites are in cold weather locations. Egypt was one of the big exceptions there, but with their mummification process, I think that helped a lot. Um, We're going to move to Taiwan next. And facial tattoos were used to show that adult males could protect their homelands. And that adult women were qualified to weave and perform housekeeping skills. It was like a rite of passage back in the day. Now, were those, did you see any pictures of them? No. The places I was looking, it was lots and lots of words and very few pictures. Because I wonder if they're a design or if they're words, you know, or the Chinese or, I don't know, Taiwanese characters for what the task is. Some of the places that were even identifying their criminals it was listed not so much as the word as a pictograph right for the word right um thailand tattoos have been common here since ancient times and they have a very religious background tattoos even to this day are usually given by a buddhist monk or a brahmin priest um in europe in Europe, the... Europe. Europe. Buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo? Buffalo. Buffalo. Oh, you're making new ones up. I am. Um, in Europe, the pre-Christian Germanic and Celtic tribes were commonly heavy ta- heavily tattooed, but not all of it was tattoos. 
they did a lot of body painting also. Right. They did a lot of uh, light blue body paint from what I understand. Yes, different colors. They were one of the first ones that actually tattooed with different colors other than the black color. Because I, I know that the Celts were famous for their body paint especially, um, but also for their tattoos. And There was a lot of both. And sometimes, from what I read, the people that were encountering them couldn't always tell right away if right. it was tattoos or body paint for how well it was done. And how terrifying would that be? You know... I mean, I'd be scared a, to come from a culture where you weren't expecting someone with markings on their body that were permanent. Um, as you stated earlier with Greece and Rome, tattooing was only common among the slaves during the classic Greek period. Actually, you didn't want a tattoo in that sector. No, no and like, well, no, because uh, some of the legion had the SPQR tattoo. Yes, but a lot of the Legion was also indentured servants. Yes and no. We can agree to disagree on this. But I know that, especially in the Roman period, that a lot of house slaves had a special marking, marking them for their house. And if that slave had a specific task, they would have like the mark of the Dominus or Domina on them, which would be the master the husband and wife or the household heads. It was very uncommon, though, for the higher-ranking classes, the ruling classes, to have tattoos on them. They were too busy being naked in bathhouses. Correct. Um, we're going to move on to Persia now, which the Persians were not only tattooed, but they were very much into body piercing and body painting. And it's been around for over a thousand years. Or well, two thousand years. Thousands of years. The Persian Empire was big. It was huge, and they had some pretty gnarly body piercings from what I read. And I didn't write most of it down because I decided well, I wasn't going into the piercing part of it. Let's step back to last week and just think of the movie 300. Look at the character that was Xerxes. Piercings yeah, everywhere. Right. <laughs> But they were very big into the body painted like the Celts also. Well, it's intimidation. Which, that has to take some time to get all of that on. They didn't have Facebook or YouTube or Netflix to waste their lives with like we do. I mean, it was, what else are you going to do? Think, think about the Vikings braiding their hair. And I did not talk about it when I was in the Indian region about the henna tattoos and such, because those were temporary. And they're actually super big right now. Yes, they're very popular again. And I didn't go into that because I decided I wanted to stick with that's, that's fine. the tattooing. Um, we're going to look at Great Britain next. Jolly good. Um, the British had many... The British and many of the other pilgrims that went to the Holy Lands throughout the 17th century would get tattoos to commemorate their travels, which I'm pretty sure they weren't getting those in Great Britain when they got them. Well, you don't know. Um, sailors who traveled the globe were the most common in this region to have tattoos, and they'd come back all done up, and you could tell a sailor from right. a common... There, there are actually some really cool black and white photos that I've seen of some vintage tattoos as far as photography goes pretty elaborate <coughs> which tattoos have always been a way 
of setting yourself apart, which we will get a little bit more into. Um, in Central America, tattooing was common on faces, necks, and breasts. And they normally depicted animals or monsters such as dragons or sea creatures. In Central America? In Central America. They had dragons. Well, I believe that dragons are pretty much universal. Every culture has a dragon. I can't think of one off the top of my head that doesn't. And that's still, that's pretty cool that they chose those things over everything else. Yes. We're going to move on to North America, which I wasn't aware of. We're going to go back to the sailors in North America again. But in the time following the American Revolution, sailors used government-issued protection papers to establish their citizenship while they were out on the seas. Okay. But it, in order to keep it from being stolen and used by other people... Many would have their tattoos listed with the description of their tattoo and the location of the tattoo on their body to distinguish their papers from other people's. Right. So that it couldn't be taken. They'd be like, oh, John Smith, you have a tattoo on your bicep. Let me see that. Right. And then if the tattoo didn't match up, they're like, John Smith, how did you change your tattoo? What's your purpose in Port Royal, Mr. Smith? Correct. Also, side note about the piercings with the sailors. A lot of sailors had their ear pierced with a golden earring so they could pay for their funeral. That's the reason? Yeah. I didn't know that. Now you know. Um, Tattooing today, it's actually been a more reoccurring thing in our region since the 1970s. And they've become way more mainstream of an occurrence among men and women of all economic groups and ages. And it's become quite the popular thing. There's TV shows now about yeah. tattoos. At, at one point in our small local area, I was the guy with all the tattoos. Yep, I remember that. And now I'm like, that guy's got a few. <laughs> There's none on his face. He's never been to prison. <laughs> poser. There's tattoo conventions that people can go to now. And actually, in 2011, Mattel actually came out with a tattooed Barbie, and it was kind of a taboo thing even in 2011. I'm sure. But I can remember even as a small child, temporary tattoos or and the bubble gum would give you a tattoo. The, yeah, the fruit stripe gum, and we used to put the tattoos on our tongues. And, and a side note, touching on my topic a little bit, uh, one of the things I'll talk about and remind me, it'll be a side note thing. It'll be towards the end. Remind me to talk about tattoos when I say, okay, now honorable mentions or runners up, okay? Okay. Um, many feel tattoos today are a form of art expressing their individuality for all to see. And I know of very reputable tattoo artists that would prefer to draw their own rather than just copying. Exactly. Because it is a piece of art. And it is stated that most tattoos still are not signed, but it's becoming a more reoccurring occurrence that tattoo artists are starting to sign their work. A reoccurring occurrence? Yes. I said that exactly how I wanted to. I, I, I think I don't... Redundancy! Reoccurring or recurring? Sure. Buffalo. Buffalo. Now let's talk about wrestling quick. Okay. 
pig. I Triple forgot, H. I forgot to mention Triple H in the last podcast. Not. I don't even care about it. But still. Are you sure he has tattoos? <laughs> I don't think so. He doesn't? I don't think so. I don't even know what Triple H really looks like. He looks older than the last time you saw him. Because <laughs> we haven't watched wrestling in years. But I just wanted to give a brief overview of the history of tattooing. I didn't go into a lot of the different ways that people tattooed. But tattooing's been around a really long time. Yeah, you didn't get into the different tattoo machines. Or no, this the scratching snowballed method or... on me. There was oh, yeah. so much to find out. I believe it. Which I could probably carry this over into next week if I really, really wanted to, which I probably won't remember to. That's a big topic. But I did find it interesting that in so many different cultures and locations that tattooing has been around for a really, really long time. And in most of these locations, it's still a did you, thing. Did you come across anything with Native Americans with tattoos? No. I was curious about that. That would be interesting to find out one way or the other. Maybe I'll look at that after the podcast. Or if a listener knows already, that would be sweet if they just <laughs> go ahead and tweet us or something. That, that's, you know, putting it on you, listeners. I'm going to be lazy. <laughs> All right. Well, <coughs> excuse me. I decided to poke that nostalgia bear a little bit. And I decided to talk about some of the most popular toys from the 50s up to the 90s. Happy Meal toys were so much better. Well, Happy Meal toys are awesome. Not to mention your cereal box toys were actually yes, a toy. You got good stuff. Like a submarine to go up and down with baking soda. And... Even going into it, the whole Kool-Aid points where you could actually get something yes. decent. yes. Oh, you say Kool-Aid points, I think of Burple. You remember that stuff? Yes. It came in the accordion-like tube. That totally not what I'm talking about. All right. In the 50s. Now, I'm just going to give you like five from each decade, and then we'll go down a list of some of the honorable mentions. But in the 50s, some of the most popular toys, the Deluxe Junior Steering Wheel. And it was a steering wheel for little kids to put like in the passenger seat of the car because you rode in the front seat in the 50s. Without a car seat. Without a car seat. Or a seatbelt. And it had a three-position shifter. Shifter. It was a pa uh, plastic steering wheel. had a horn that beeped. And it attached with a suction cup. Because remember, those old cars, that was just all steel. It was just a big big wall of steel in front of your face when you weren't even buckled in. But you want to drive the car. I can remember faking driving the car even when yes. I was younger. And then the vintage deluxe Velocipede. Sounds awesome. Vintage Deluxe. In Velocipede? The, in the 50s, we say vintage. Now, it was a tricked-out tricycle. It wasn't just a regular tricycle. It had a big fender and chrome handlebars and springs under the seat. And there's an example of it at my parents' house. Oh, that one in the garden. That big monster one that's all rusty. That and, looks like your feet couldn't even touch the ground when she got yeah, onto it. Yeah, exactly. And then in the 50s, also, we had Mr. Potato Head. The original Mr. Potato Head. That was with a real potato. Oh, no, not just a potato. Any fruit or vegetable. You could take the 3D molded pieces and stab them in there. And they had needles instead of plastic tabs like so that. So safe. Hey, kids were smarter then, apparently. I don't know. But they were cool. And it came with tons of pieces. And you could do almost anything with him. You could be like, hey, I'm a Picasso. <laughs> Sorry, bad reference. 
And then another cool one I found was the Dick Tracy Siren, Siren, Siren Squad Car. Dick Tracy was awesome. He was huge in the 50s. I still and like it had Dick Tracy. The adjustable steering wheels, you could turn them so it'd go in circles or in a straight line. And it ran by a clock spring motor that would run the siren. So you'd have to wind it up and it'd make the actual Dick Tracy siren. And it was lithographed with the characters. So like Dick Tracy'd be driving and then what was his name? Sam Ketchum and you know, whoever was part of Dick Tracy's team was all That's really awesome painted on the car. And it was a metal car. Well, everything was metal back then. And then, obviously, the last one will have to be Barbie dolls. Even though Barbie dolls were a huge thing in the 60s, Barbie actually came out in 1959. I know this because I did a speech on Barbie in high school. Well, what was your favorite Barbie? Uh, my favorite Barbie was not from back then. Mine was the totally hair Barbie that had hair all you know, the way down to her feet. The totally hair Barbie almost made it to my 90s cut. And I even saw pictures of her, and I was like, I bet Beth wanted that one. I had it. I figured. And my sister cut all of her hair off when she was mad at me one time. Man, sisterly love. Okay, moving on to the 60s, before we get a bad taste in our mouth. <laughs> the Etch-A-Sketch. And the Etch-A-Sketch is actually just a glass screen filled with aluminum powder. And it was run by a joystick that would move the thing around. And it was originally called the Magic Screen. And it kind of went through a transition to where it got the two knobs. It only started with one? It was it was like one joystick and it ran the whole deal. Really? I remember playing I didn't know that. I remember playing with an original magic screen at one of my relatives' houses, one of my elderly relatives' houses when I was a little kid. And it had permanent lines etched into the glass because the little knob could only go so far it wouldn't cover <laughs> the whole screen. Did you still shake it to make it get yeah, rid of? Same way. Exactly the same way. And then when I was younger, I had the uh, modern one, the red one with the Yes, screen. with the white handle. And for some reason, I had some Canadian maple leaf stickers, and I put them on the knobs. And they're probably still on there. It's still at my parents' somewhere, I guarantee it. I had an Etch-A-Sketch. I wonder if Mom still has that. And now, moving on to the Frisbee. It was originally a Frisbee pie tin. And people Made were, of metal. Yeah. It was for pies, for <laughs> cooking pies. And college students started playing with it, and to tell people to get out of the way, they would yell Frisbee. And then a couple guys, post-World War II, made a uh, plastic version, and it was, that idea was purchased by the Whammo Corporation, who trademarked the name Frisbee, that we know today. So Frisbee's kind of like Kleenex. No. No. It's not a trademark name like that? Well, Frisbee is, but... Well, I guess, yeah, it is like Kleenex, because they also called them, like, Flying Saucer and, and the Pluto. Weren't those the knockoffs? Though? No, 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 no. Originally, they didn't call them Frisbee. The guys that made the plastic discs called them the other names, and then Whammo trademarked the name Frisbee. Huh. Frisbee's still a pretty common thing. There's Frisbee golf at a lot of the parks around here, actually. You're right. Even our local park still has Frisbee golf things. And also... I remember when I was younger playing Frisbee baseball. With a bat? No. You would just throw the Frisbee from home plate. and. I've never played Frisbee baseball. Yeah, it's kind of fun, actually. Did you have to catch it still, like, to yeah, count as... just like baseball. Everything's pretty much the same. That might be something fun to try. It is fun. I enjoyed it. 
I'm horrible at throwing frisbees. They never go where I want them to. You are not on my team. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Play-Doh. It was originally used by a nursery school teacher as a non-toxic modeling compound. It was recommended to her like by her brother or something who discovered it. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the first Play-Doh was off-white. It was off-white for years. And now it's made in every color you could think of. Until you mix them all together and, and they just turn poop colored. True story. But they have all sorts of accessories for Play-Doh. I wanted that monster truck mold and mash back in the day, but they have the Play-Doh Fun Factory. I remember the Play-Doh Pizza. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah, that would have been cool to have too, but... And I'm one of those evil moms that my kids can't play with Play-Doh at our house because it gets everywhere. All over. All over the dang place. Um, Another w big one in the 60s was the Dunkin' Yo-Yo. Yo-Yos are fun. And Yo-Yos have been around for thousands of years, but it wasn't until TV advertising that the Yo-Yo really took off. And Yo-Yo means come, come in a Philippine language. There's my Philippines <laughs> comment. Um, also, the Duncan Company came up with the fancy schmancy butterfly yo-yo, which wasn't the round yo-yo. Instead, it was kind of a V-shape. And the spool, it would wind up easier for you. And my dad had one. And when I was a little kid, allegedly, I took this yo-yo and broke it. So On purpose. Yeah, I'm sure. So when... You know, I was an adult. I found a vintage Dunkin' Yo-Yo, a butterfly, and gave it to my dad for Christmas. And I'll bet he doesn't even play with it. <laughs> um, Another big one, the Easy Bake Oven. I never had one of those. It was introduced by Kenner in 1963. And those are still around. You can yeah. get the Girl Scout cookie Easy Bake Oven oh, yeah. now and make your own Girl Scout and, cookies. You know, they only cook the food with a 60 watt light bulb so i feel like your your cake is not gonna be cooked all the way well they were so itty bitty and i can remember the daycare lady had one and honestly the food did not taste amazing that came I out of it i remember there was a recall on them because people were getting their fingers their little fingers stuck inside of them there was slots and i remember that i'm not sure when it was <laughs> it was in my lifetime well they're still making them so it's still a popular item. Yeah, they obviously fixed the whole fingers getting stuck thing. Now we'll move on to the 1970s. The Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle. And it had a gyroscopic motor and you would wind him up. He would attach to a little platform and you'd wind him up. Then you push the release and launch him. And he would run over everything because the gyroscope would keep him upright. And that was another toy that my dad had when he was a child. Did you ruin that one also? No, I never saw that one. But as a young adult, I found one for him, and he has one again now. I and didn't know that. You could go play with it right now. I doubt he'd let me. He would let you. He'd I probably, might have to ask about that next time we're over He'd there. let you before he'd let me. But apparently Grandma got rid of it. I don't know. Another one from the 70s that was incredibly popular was the Rubik's Cube. I hate those. Six sides, match them up. Again, that's still around today, and you know how to beat that, but I think they're terrible. Well. The only time I beat one was when I peeled the stickers off. Okay, and... okay here's how we do it, okay? Now, the middle square on each side does not move, okay? Are you with me so far? This is I how understand you, that. This is how you beat the Rubik's Cube, okay? And then your corner pieces, they don't actually move. They don't rotate. 
So once you find out what that middle one is and that side one is that matches up to that other side. I still don't feel I will ever beat side, the Rubik's Cube. You can do it. You can do it. The only ones that actually change orientation are the are the. Do you remember that Rubik's ones. cube that one of our kids got, and they got so mad at it they smashed it, and we've still been finding pieces of that thing. Yeah, but that wasn't really a Rubik's cube. That was like a Robik's cube. That was a knockoff. It really was. Um, Weebles. Everybody knows the theme song. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's right. And they were invented or introduced by Play School in the early 70s. And that theme song has been stuck in people's heads for over 40 years already. My dad and mom still sing that song. I sing that song. I'm sure my kids know it. But I remember when I was growing up, it was the Play School Weebles Farm. That was the big thing. I remember that. I never played with it, but I remember the commercials because that that is a catchy jingle. They did a really good job with that. Drive the point home. <laughs> um, also, the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. We have those. We do. We have a retro We went with the version. retro. But you move them around with joysticks. You hold the joystick with both of your hands, and you can make the robots punch each other in the head with your thumbs. I forget and which color is better because one color on our board is better than agreed, the other. Agreed. But I think it's the blue. Our set is actually smaller than the originals. Really? Yeah, the originals are slightly larger. They're about one and a half times as big. And when the head comes off of the robot that you're trying to beat and it makes that satisfying buzzing sound, you're like, yeah, take that bad robot. <laughs> uh, pogo sticks. Boingy, boingy. Those are also still around. They are still around. But really, I mean, who's like, hey, I want to take a stick and attach handlebars and footrests, and then spring-load the bottom of it. You know, our oldest was so proud when he finally mastered that. He's like the best at a pogo stick I've ever seen. The only in person. He doesn't do flips yet, but... He mastered that. I remember when we started, and it was two jumps, and look, I did two jumps, and it's like, great. And now it's like, I can jump all day and never take a break, and... He's like, Dad, you try it. And then I jump on it and bottom out the pogo stick. He's like, Dad, you're going to break it. I'm like, sorry, you told me to. Okay, let's move on to the 1980s. The big wheel. This is a hot rod of a plastic tricycle. Big wheels are also still around. Uh, they make gas-powered ones now. They turn them into drift trikes. There's ones with tractor tires. There are so many variations of the vintage toy, the big Who wheel. Who didn't want a big wheel? I had a big wheel. I did, and I didn't wear out my front wheel. Nope, I broke off one of the handlebars. Of course you did. Because ramps. <laughs> but most big wheels would get a hole in the front tire because little kids have a tendency to push with the same leg every time. Uh-huh. And the front tire spins because they don't have any traction at all. But mine, nope, I, uh, I wore it out. I rode it without that handlebar, and the frame ended up breaking under the seat. The light bright. Those were awesome. That's another catchy jingle. And I cannot find an original light bright to save my life anymore. I have an original light bright, Beth. I doubt all the pieces are still there. I remember it's... your brother being big into the light bright. I hope it is. But they came with a black paper printed with patterns of like that clown that you see yep. on the old commercial. There was a bunch of different patterns. And I was not allowed to use those. You gotta save them. Gotta save them. 
I'm not sure why. Thanks, Mom. I you always like podcast, trying Mom. to load up the whole light bright with colors. It was great. I don't know why those aren't more popular now still. They come in cubes now. I know, but with the LED technology, you could you could change the color of the pins with just the bulbs. If you put in a bunch of blue pins and then you hit the yellow light, they turn green for you. That'd be awesome. We should look into finding a light bright. I would with play with that. Remember Teddy Ruxpin? Oh my gosh. You he put, was creepy. Put in a tape and he came to life and he'd tell you a story? Until your older sibling would put in a pop tape or something. Oh, and... I'm like, put in some ACDC. Go Teddy Ruxpin. Sing me some Black Sabbath. You don't think so? It was creepy. I didn't have a Teddy Ruxpin. I didn't, but the babysitter did. Another big one were the Care Bears. I had Care Bears. Did you? I had the plastic th- ones, not the stuffed animals. I think that I had a legit Care Bear somebody got me. It wasn't one of my favorite toys. It was a... Pur- my grandma made me a Care Bear. A purple Care Bear. I had the yellow one, the Sunshine Bear. You did? I did. Well, that's nice. Grandma made it. But just because of the magic belly emblems, it was awesome. But our daughter still even watches Care Bears on the yeah, TV. It's, it's still very much a big deal. Um, And the last one from the 80s, which is just near and dear to my heart, the Snoopy Snow Cone Machine. I remember getting the JCPenney Christmas catalog and marking that thing every year. The JCPenney's Christmas catalog was gold. Oh, yeah. I would mark that thing up with a black Sharpie or whatever I could find and seldom get what I wanted out of it. So, as an adult, my wife and I found a Snoopy Snow Cone Maker and we have one. And... We hardly ever use it. It's not as satisfying as I remember it being when I was smaller. And it came with like Flavor Aid or something like that. Some off-brand juice mix. I know that. We still have it, though. We do. And we should break that out this summer. We should. We could make like pina coladas with it. Mmm. Not for the kids. No. Now, we'll move on to the 90s. Remember the Tamagotchi, Beth? I had a Tamagotchi, and I had the knockoffs. I had a Star Wars one, and I had one, I had, I think, two different Tamagotchis, and I remember I had one of them that was awesome and going so good, and I got busted at school with it, and the teacher took it away, and my mom would not go get it back for me, and by the time I finally got it back at the end of the year, that thing was dead. Oh, I'm sure. Now... The little LCD screen pets that are all dead in a drawer somewhere have a resurgence. You ready for the fact of the podcast? Beth, there's an app. I can have a Tamagotchi on my phone. You can have a Tamagotchi on your phone. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm going to have to look into that. I had a knockoff Tamagotchi. I think it was my Star Wars. I had that creature that was in the pit. You had the Rancor. I did. I had the Rancor. And that was the one that was surviving so well for me. Having been a huge Star Wars nerd since I was a small child, yeah, I wanted that one really badly. I had that one. I felt so bad for the fat guy on Star Wars when that thing got killed. And he was crying. I was pretty bummed. Not like that monster was doing anything good for our hero, Luke. I, I was really sad when he died because you used to feed him people. It was awesome. I remember, right, you fed him, like, the three-eyed guy? Yeah. 
Okay. The Furby. Those gremlin-looking things that interact with their owners. Those and were there creepy. Was, there was a huge conspiracy theory around how they were spy tools and they would transmit your information to, was it, I don't remember if they were made in China or Taiwan or whatever. Those were creepy. Uh, they were a very peculiar toy, but in their own right, they were cute and they were the precursor to a lot of the modern, like, animatronic toys. But they were after the Teddy Ruxpin because you didn't have to interact with them to make them move. They had a motion detector. They could hear you. I remember setting those things off in the store when you walked past Oh, them. yeah. You'd set off like 50 Furbies. You'd... Boop, 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 boop. Yep. <coughs> and now, probably my favorite one from the 90s, the Beanie Babies. So many Beanie Babies. Collectible Beanville stuffed animals. People were going to retire on their collections, for Pete's sake. And then for our daughter, who had to have millions of the same thing... I was able to buy a trash bag full for yeah. not very much and, money. And I remember reading news stories about people that would, like, cash out their 401k to invest in Beanie Babies. I hope those people are doing okay today, but that investment was not a good one. There are still some people that are very serious on the Beanie Baby collection, though. Yeah, but... There's rare ones out there that are still supposedly worth all kinds of money. Supply and demand. Although I always played with my Beanie Babies that I got because I want, I bought the ones that I wanted. I only had one and it came from like some UPCs from Cereal and it was the Tiger Shark one. Uh, the dragons and the horses were my favorite. Well, you were very medieval or uh, so Central medieval. American. I don't know. Okay. One more in the 90s here. Gak. Remember the Gak? I had Gak. Everybody had Gak that I know. It and was it, disgusting and it smelled bad. And it smelled weird, yes. And it was popularized by the Nickelodeon slime. Like all those... I had slime also. I did not have the slime. I Well, I did, but it came with my Ninja Turtles. Wasn't the same. But probably was the exact same stuff. But wasn't marketed as the same. And that's the last one from the 90s. And for the 2000s? Nope, nope, nope. That's on you, listeners. There are all sorts of things. The Zuzu Pets and whatever. The Hatchables. Yes, but those are the 2010s. Oh, yeah. And I have some honorable mentions here. And you feel free to chime in when you realize that I missed some of your favorites. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the Slinky. I had a Slinky. Those uh, things didn't last very long. Everybody's had a Slinky. Slinkies are awesome. And there's all sorts of history around the slinky and that might be a pretty cool podcast to do all on its own tonka trucks those are popular in our house still and also in the 50s caterpillar came out with a brand of a line of metal toys to compete with the tonka trucks just i didn't know note. that don't tell my son that gi joes wasn't big into the gi joes well initially they were barbie sized mm-hmm. they were like 12 inch characters uh the pet rock Pet Rock was a huge deal in the 70s. It was. Because let's buy a rock. And paint it. Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels are still something that's they're, collectible. Oh, yeah. They're still... You can buy brand new Hot Wheels. Uh, Lionel Trains. They were huge since their inception, and they're still huge today, and there's a huge collector's market for those, too. Hula Hoops. Hula Hoops was a huge fad. 
And then it moved into the whole around your ankle. The skip it. Yes. That was in the 90s, I think. It's the newer version of the hula hoop. No, it's not. That's a newer version of the jump rope. The jump rope hoop. I don't know. Um, Cabbage Patch Dolls and the Garbage Pail Kids. I loved Cabbage Patch Dolls. I waited so long to get one. Do you remember Popples? They were a little ball, and then you'd go, you'd turn them inside out, and they were a stuffed animal, and they were super cute. You don't remember those? I vaguely remember those. Um, The He-Man and She-Ra, Masters of the Universe and all that. Those were huge. I had a bunch of them. Um, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. A couple decades spanning. And you didn't remind me about the tattoos, but I remembered myself. I actually had a Teenage Mutant Ninja character, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle character named Tattoo. He was a sumo wrestler, and he came with a whole sheet of clear plastic with tattoos printed on them, and you could cover his body in them. What about the stretchable dudes, the wrestlers? Stretch Armstrong. Yes. Yes, he's also on my honorable mention list, and... He made a resurgence, I think, in the 90s. He was really popular in the 70s, and then he made a resurgence in the 90s. Yeah, with the wrestling characters. <coughs> they were all different wrestling characters. Um, there was a lot of wrestling-branded toys in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, the Pound Puppies. My grandma made me a Pound Puppy, too. And it looks really good. You still have that. I do. And also Trolls. Trolls are awesome, and my daughter, after the Trolls movie, is obsessed with those. Trolls are, you know... I had a whole collection of trolls, and the jewel-bellied troll was the one to have. Those made the second honorable mention list. I saw a bunch of pictures of those. And I remember when the Battle Trolls came out, and all the boys wanted those, and I ended up with a troll warrior. It's like the, huh, here you go. (laughs) But he was actually pretty cool. Transformers. Yeah, those are still popular. They are. Thanks to the movies. The movies did help a lot. Uh, My Little Pony. That's still something that's seen in our house. Yes, there are a lot of My Little Ponies around here. The the Cozy Coop, the Fisher-Price Cozy Coop. With the different versions that have come out since the original red, yellow. The original one looked like a car. It didn't have a face. It didn't? No, I saw pictures of the original, and the face came along a little later. Creepy crawlers. I remember those where you could make them. Yep. And you would make worms and centipedes. I didn't have creepy crawlers, but I did have a collection of fishing worms that I played were creepy crawlers. Hey, that's fine. I did not do that. That's totally your thing. I had real worms. I didn't want to touch real worms. Okay. And the last one on my honorable mention list of super popular toys were the Power Rangers. You know, I've thought of something that I'm amazed that did not make your list. I might have just missed it. What is it? Legos. Legos. Legos have a totally unique history. And they almost made my list. But I kind of want to do a whole podcast on them. They're really popular. They've been popular since their inception. As my husband stated, Legos are gold. You do not throw away Lego pieces. It's true. Because Legos from when I was a little kid will still work with the ones that I buy my children. Which I have a collection of Legos at my mom's house we should find. Okay. But I would build houses for my little salamanders and worms. And I had glow-in-the-dark ants that I would make whole houses for them. 
And I did not mention any of the most popular board games because a lot of those were on a lot of the places I was looking. But I will kind of lean towards Mousetrap because that's a game that you build while you play, and I think that's pretty cool. I have a Mousetrap that's probably still at Mom's house, the original Mousetrap, and nobody wanted to play it with me. So you just set it up and then make yourself catch mice. You build that whole Rube Goldberg machine that was the mousetrap and yes. set it off. That's super cool. Another one is Power Wheels. They came out when, when uh, you and I were kids in the 80s. I never had one of those. I never did either. I wanted one so bad and my cousin got one. I remember other people having them. I can't remember myself ever actually driving one, but I got to ride in them. Yeah, I remember driving my cousins a couple times when the batteries were low. <laughs> Toys in general, wow. Yeah. So much has stuck around and still so well, much more is coming out. And I really wish that I'd gone back in time a little more, but I knew I'd be a little constrained here. But I wanted to talk about some of the older, older toys. Because I didn't mention cap guns or... Which you know, is still balsa, a popular thing in our house. Balsa airplanes. And also... Lincoln Logs. Yeah, I didn't go back that far. I remember but, having a set of Lincoln Logs. But some of these toys have been around and survived the test of time. That's and now, awesome. And now we're both smiling because of the nostalgia. <laughs> we hope you're smiling too. <coughs> Please smile. And share <laughs> about your favorite nostalgic Toy. Right. I'm sure you had a favorite toy growing up. I had a few. And I'm sure Beth had one. It was a rock without it was a face. No rock. She hit her sister with because she cut off a Barbie's hair. No, my sister totally destroyed my Barbie dream house, remodeling it for me. Oh, I'm sure it's fine and it looks lovely. <laughs> I, I think we finally got rid of that at mom's house, but there still is a Barbie collection over there. I remember the bicycle Barbie that had all the movable parts so she could ride her bicycle. Well, that's pretty awesome. I remember the, the high stepper horse. I never had the high stepper, but I would take other ponies and shove my Barbie on it. And well, Yeah, like the briar horses. Those are pretty popular. Should be on the honorable mention, too. Okay, but enough with this. Um, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, you can contact us through our Facebook page. Just look for Alka, huh? And you should be able to find us. And on Twitter, we are alcohunt underscore podcast. And we have a Gmail account, which is alcohunt at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Beth. I'm EJ. And if you'd give us a rating or review on whatever podcatching service you listen to, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever. We love comments also. Yes. Get in touch with us. We look forward to hearing from you. All right. Until next time. Bye.